As I go along the highways, I see many types of different animals. And the spirit cries, I could hear the spirit of the animals wanting to be free. And they lay there. And the spirit cries, help me, I want to go home. As I look before me, they pass by and they run over them. And I cried to the spirit, why do they not just look at the steering wheel that they are using, the very car that they are driving, the very truck? If they could just hear the spirit wanting to teach them that very vehicle that they've just went over my relative with, the animal, was also made from Mother Earth. If they would only understand that, that vehicle that they're driving would respond back immediately. And it would tell them exactly, even if they're too busy to stop and put them aside, that vehicle would tell them to place tobacco on them tires, just so my relatives can go home, just so my relative spirit could be freed and go back to the great creator. It's very simple, this life, what Mother Earth has given us. To really think is so simple that it is beyond us. So I asked in my native tongue and my English language, the second language that was given to me, why do they not do anything for my relatives, the animals, all it takes? is even tobacco to roll down a window and offer it to the four winds for my relatives so that they can go home. So I'm sending this out to my relative, Rail Bassin. He died last week in his apartment. He was supposed to show up at the Illinois Renewable Energy Fair over the weekend, um, doing the workshop Permaculture and Spirituality, and he didn't show up. And the people who actually did the workshop before him were also, um, well, permaculture activists, so they ended up, and friends of his, and they ended up going ahead and essentially having a two-hour workshop, continuing on and covering his workshop. And then when they got back to Chicago, they went to try to find out what happened to Rail because he's a very dependable person. And the landlord wouldn't let him in. And finally on Thursday, they had someone let him in, and um, they think that Rail died of a heart attack. So he was an older gentleman, um, very much into permaculture, very much an activist for the earth and um, very much involved in making the Illinois Renewable Energy Fair happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he promoted it. He was, he reminds me a lot of you. He was a very gentle soul, but hard on the inside. I mean, he was an activist and um, he would, yeah, he would put his life on the line. And so I'm in a way very angry that 
the la- you know the, the landlord wouldn't let his friends in on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and then very angry that you know it took that long to find him, but very glad that he had that many friends that cared about him and were worried about him in the city of Chicago. Yeah. Because yeah, because some people you know if they don't have friends and family, it's a long time before someone even knows. Right. And so, r- literally, they knew on Sunday. Yeah. Um, that he hadn't shown up, to you know, and that nobody had talked to him that day. And so, I wanted to send that out to my relatives and uh, give up a little tobacco to his spirit that he has spread a lot of his spirit around. So. Well, the Illinois Re- the Illinois Renewable Energy Fair for me was a very very big event this year. I mean, um, many many people are interested in renewable energy. Yeah, and I yeah, and I happened to bring a whole pallet of solar modules and sold every one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, three systems, one system going to Hawaii. I delivered that to Peoria, and then another person in Peoria, and then another person in a town near Rockford. Hmm. So, I actually delivered the last delivery on Monday at 8 p.m. and didn't get down here until 3 a.m. Yeah, because <laughs> I get kept pulling over about once an hour to take a 10-minute nap. <laughs> you know, um, and I probably would have slept a night somewhere, but the the person I brought with me actually had to be at work on Tuesday morning. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and part of why it took so long is I bought an electric car. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that when you came back in town. You know that that pallet of solar panels had been there, and then I I walk up and see the truck, and it's like the car is sitting there. <laughs> so for a minute, I was like, wait a minute, why has he got a car in there? A really saw, ugly car. Yeah, too. it's it's a unique car. Okay, it's, it's, it's from it's the unique, 70s. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's 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 green, but it's seventies green, yeah. which is like almost olive green, but with a tint of puke. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but and it's it, electric green. Yeah, <laughs> electric green. And it said, I looked at it, and it said on the side there was a sticker that said electric. But it's and one I, of those stickers <laughs> that you think you got out of one of those quarter slot, you know, machines where you get the little ball. Yeah, <laughs> those f- like weird, funky stickers, you know, that are like. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's how it says electric on the side. Yeah, then I but, said, oh, that's why he's got that car. Yeah, it's a 74 Subaru that was converted um, in 86 by someone who's pretty famous in um, electric cars. He started the Fax Valley Electric Car Organiza- Association, which is a very large electric car association in the United States, which is up near Chicago. Yeah. And he it was his first conversion. And... Um, he has since, you know, he's got a whole bunch of them now, so he decided to donate this particular one to the Illinois Renewable Energy Association. Mm-hmm. And I won it. Well, in the silent auction, I don't think you can win something when you have to pay money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, in a sense, you won the silent auction, but it's not like you won a raffle, you know. No. <laughs> it's like you won the opportunity to pay money for something. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and then I had to figure out how to load it on the trailer that I didn't. So that took about an hour, but... <laughs> It was good. Very uh, adventurous weekend, then. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. And a very adventurous week, so. All right, let's talk about what's going to happen this weekend. Yes. Because. This is a very happening weekend. People actually remember to send happenings. Um, 
sometimes they don't, so I check and see if the email works. <laughs> yeah. Um, my radio email is info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And my email is treesong at treesong.org. So today, at the Big Muddy IMC, big issues on the big screen at the Big Muddy IMC. Friday, today's Friday again. Yes. <laughs> August 18th. It's August 18th again. Um, Mystery Flights, a BBC documentary exposing our government's extraordinary rendition program, beginning with an investigation of some of the mysterious flights that went through Poland. So. Yes, that should be interesting. And actually, the latest issue of The Nightlife came out. Oh, yeah. And it has all the cool and interesting organizations. Yeah. And on there was the Big Muddy IMC. Yeah, Big Muddy IMC is actually, it's got like the whole list of, you know, a billion fall festivities. And the first one is Big Muddy IMC. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty and exciting. And it shows the list of the films for the month. Yes. And so. for, for those of you not familiar, the Big Muddy IMC is located at 214 North Washington here in Carbondale. And I also didn't say the time. It's 7 p.m. Yes, 7 p.m. <laughs> they always, every Friday, they have big issues on the big screen at 7 p.m. Yeah, so. <laughs> Other happenings. Yes. Join the Friends of the R. Buckminster Fuller and the Ivis jo John Band for a Vine Maxion. <laughs> That's, it's a play on, like, his Dimaxion design, but this is a Vine Maxion. <laughs> it's this coming Sunday, August 17th, at the Orlandini Vineyard from noon to 6 p.m. The event is sponsored by uh, the Vineyard, by Holistic Healing Arts, by our Advanced Energy Solutions, and by the Town Square Market. Proceeds for this event go to Bucky's Bare Bones Budget Campaign. Yeah, I'll let you say that because <laughs> I get <laughs> Yes, I like alliteration. It's a fundraising campaign to support the reconstruction of our Buckminster Fuller's Dome in Carbondale. Uh, the cost is three dollars per person. Ed Van Aachen will perform on electronic piano from noon to two, and Ivis John Band plays from two to six. The Town Square Market picnic bags will be available for purchase, and the vineyard is located 1.3 miles south of Blue Sky Vineyard off of Rocky Comfort Road at 410 Thorn Lane in Macanda. They can be reached at 618-995-2307 or at orlandinivines at aol.com. And if you're not familiar with the work of uh, Buckminster Fuller, now's a good time to get familiar with it. And have a good time out at the event, too. <laughs> and uh, usually we just announce things that are, the, you know, the weekend right now. But here's one that mark your calendar for next weekend. Insect Awareness and Appreciation Day. Yes. <laughs> you thought you didn't appreciate insects. You thought you weren't aware of them. Well, you probably are aware of them only when they bite you. But insects do a good job of keeping the world clean and beautiful. This is a free, family-friendly event that the Shawnee Audubon Society works hard to put together each year in order to get folks out into nature and learn something new and exciting. Experts around the state join them and help to educate the public on these teeny misunderstood critters. I said the, you know, free family-friendly event, yeah. <laughs> but I can't say critters. <laughs> um, if you would like more information, 
shawneeaudubon.org, and we will announce it again next week. It is um, on Saturday, August 23rd. Yes, that's uh, pretty exciting stuff. And also another one of those uh, on-the-horizon events that I wanted to mention is the uh, Global Mala Project. You can get more information on this at Global Mala, that's global, M-A-L-A, dot O-R-G. It's uh, basically a yoga centered event that's happening, well, globally, but it's also <laughs> happening here in uh, Southern Illinois, right in Carbondale. Um, it's, you can get more details on the local happenings at uh, center101yoga.com. They're going to, on September 21st, which is the UN's International Day of Peace, they're going to get together at Turley Park and do a, I think it's 108 sun salutations, which, which is a lot. You know, like most people are going to actually do 108 of these uh, cycles of yoga poses. I just do four in the morning mm -hmm. and that's enough. Yeah, if you can come there and if you want to, you can do one sun salutation or you can just learn about the event or you can just visit, like they'll have other like information booths there and such. You can just see what it's like to have all these people gather together to do all these poses. Should be a pretty good event. We'll mention it again as it gets closer yeah. to you. Another happening is Saturday, uh, September 13th, is the beginning of our fall membership drive. Yes. <laughs> so That's if you would like to too. send your money in now, so our drive is really short, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah, if you send us a bunch of money right now, we'll just say, oh... Oh, we better go. <laughs> it's like, uh, well, we have like a one-day membership drive where we say, well, we better go. You can help more if you want to. <laughs> Here's a happening. Take the two-mile bicycle challenge. Hop on your bike for trips under two miles this summer. Forty percent of everyday travel in the U.S. are trips of two miles or less, according to the Department of Transportation's Federal Highway Safety Administration. Trips to the grocery store, a trip trip to the neighborhood coffee shop, lunch at that great sandwich place down the way, but you know what the sandwich place. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> these trips really do add up. One way to reduce your impact on these trips while still getting yourself caffeinated and not running out of bread is to take the two-mile challenge and do them on your bike. The idea is simple. With four out of every ten trips lasting ten miles or less, or two miles or less, excuse me, each of us has a great opportunity to cut back on our car trips without sacrificing much time or expending, well, too much effort. Two miles on a bike actually isn't very far, and when you're just going to return a library book, there's no reason to take your entire car with you. <laughs> just, uh, it's like... <laughs> Yes, I guess it depends on how big the library book is. <laughs> yeah. But it's probably not that big. Some people at Cliff Bar thought this idea was so good they created a website and held a series of events to promote the idea and spread the gospel of the two-mile bike trip. Now, you can go on to the two as in the number two and then milechallenge.com and you can input your address. But just to let you know, anywhere in Carbondale, <laughs> you're within the two miles. Yeah, you got to really work to like plan out a route that's not within the two miles. Right. I mean, if you're on the outskirts of one side and you have to go to the outskirts of the other, yeah, then yes. But <laughs> if you're anywhere in the middle and you have to go anywhere to the outskirts, yeah. I mean, this is a what is it? Do you say two mile radius or? <laughs> it's like. Four miles across, I guess. And yeah. so, does that make it a two-mile radius? Yeah, it makes it a two-mile radius. So, so yeah. I, and I often, if it's two miles, I just walk two miles sometimes. But, you know, I also have a bike, so biking two miles, it can actually be really fun, especially depending on the weather. 
And um, today is the first day I actually bike to the radio station. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I plan to do that from now on. So you and it was raining this morning, just a little bit. But in August, the little rain is like, oh my God, it's raining. Yeah. <laughs> Last night, I, I like delayed like 20 minutes because it was raining a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But I was talking to some cool people. So. <laughs> There's water falling from the sky in August. I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm prepared to get mad again. Yes. This time, I'm mad because the Senate has left Washington and they really haven't done anything. In a continuation of the partisan stalemate, the Senate left for the August recess without taking up legislation that would renew the production tax credit for another year. This credit expires at the end of the year, and this credit, what it is, well, it is has to do with renewable energy and energy efficiency. The stalemate has been focused on for months on whether to require offsets for the revenue lost through the tax credits. Basically, only about 10,000 people in the nation have actually used this tax credit, but it's making it so that people can, you know, actually afford to buy solar, um, afford to do energy efficiency, and, I don't know, basically do good things. Now, according to the American Wind Energy Association, the looming expiration of the federal incentive threatens wind power's newfound growth. U.S. wind farms now generate more electricity than any other nation in the world and are on track to expand over 45% this year. But the expiration of the federal production tax credit, the PTC, less than five months from now in December threatens this spectacular progress. Total U.S. installed wind power capacity now stands at almost 20 megawatts. The industry installed 1.2 megawatts in the second quarter, down from 1.5 megawatts during the first. Um, basically, they really can't plan any projects for the spring. I mean, it's very minuscule. They give, um, I want to say, two cents per kilowatt for wind energy production, you know. And it makes it possible so that the wind farms can compete on a steady level to coal and nuclear, which is subsidized more than 50%. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like... <laughs> it's like you give us 2% and we can compete with what you subsidize 50%. Yeah, so... <laughs> Sounds like a pretty reasonable deal. <laughs> and actually, 48 state governors... Yeah, that's impressive. Say that one again. 48 state governors urged Congress to renew the PTC. In a letter to congressional leaders, the governors from 48 U.S. states asked the House of Representatives and the Senate to pass legislation that would renew for at least five years the investment tax credit and the production tax credit, which primarily subsidize solar and wind, respectively. So, yeah, it's hard for me to even imagine something else that 48 governors would agree on, you know. So this is clearly an issue that people across the country think is important. So, yep. If you would like more information about any of this, well, I guess you can contact me, or you can go to the American Wind Energy Association, awea.org. Or you can email me at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Yeah, so let's see what we have in other news. I didn't sound very mad, did I? <laughs> well, you were, you were even-tempered, you know. I mm. think if you let all of your 
uh, anger over this issue, you would just be like raving at the microphone. I am a little slobbery. Must smash the <laughs> the people who blocked this bill. Now I'm just going to install more renewable energy in spite of them. <laughs> yeah. See, people will make it happen somehow, whatever it goes. But this would be very good if this works out. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, oh, we've got some more news on the spotted owl. <laughs> Just when you thought everyone had forgotten about the spotted owl. Hoot and holler. Fred's X acreage of spotted owl habitat. The amount of old growth forest designated as critical habitat for the northern spotted owl was slashed 23% or 1.6 million acres, by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service on Tuesday. One might think that means that the spotted owls are doing well for themselves, but no. Uh, the spotted owl population is dropping by 4% each year. Despite widespread efforts to protect their northwest old-growth home, the birds continue to lose habitat to logging, wildfires, and the aggressive fired uh, owl. A federal study released last month warned that the remaining spotted owls lack genetic diversity, which may send them even more quickly towards extinction. Quote, I have not lost hope for the spotted owls, says wildlife geneticist Susan Haig. Quote, but I think we're at a pretty serious crossroads. The federal, the federal axing of critical habitat acreage resulted from a settlement with the timber industry, which complained that the 5.3 million acres left as critical habitat is still too much. Straight to the source, the Seattle Times and the Associated Press and the Oregonian. Well, if it's too much, then Hockerman is, isn't actually successfully protecting the uh, spotted owl. Because people don't like him. Yeah. I remember when people were talking about, like, making, you know, cheeseburgers out of them, you know. Really? Yeah. When I first, when I first introduced the protection, you know, there was the, the concern that it would cause a lot of loss of jobs. So the, you know, the industry lobbyists said, oh, you know, let's sell all these hats that say, you know, uh, make burgers out of spotted owls and things like that. Ooh. It was, it was pretty wacky. Yeah. Pretty goofy. You may not have noticed, but for some time now, the average number of babies being born to each woman has been in decline in most of the world. A generation ago, the world fertility rate was around six kids per woman. Today it is 2.6, which is getting close to the level needed just to maintain the current population long term. So we're still having more babies than people who are dying. Yeah. So, and supposedly the planet can't actually make it so that people, everybody, everybody we have here now, we have too many people for the planet to feed them all. <laughs> yeah. Which basically makes, you know, if we have a lot of kids in the U.S., and we have the money to feed them, but that just means someone else in the world starves, right? Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so, basically, the education level is going up, and women are becoming more knowledgeable that they have control. <laughs> Knowledge is good, control is good. <laughs> so, let's see. Oh, here's, a, here's an interesting one, too. Go with the low. The Greens and the Navy reach compromise over low-frequency sonar. And there's not too many things you'll find the Greens and the, the Navy cooperating on these days, but this is one of them. 
U.S. Navy and environmental groups have reached a compromise in a long-running dispute over the Navy's use of low-frequency sonar, which screens say can befuddle whales and sometimes cause them to beach and die. The Navy on Tuesday agreed to restrict the use of low-frequency active sonar in areas known to be whale breeding grounds or key habitat. Quote, We don't have to choose between national security and protecting the environment, said Michael Jasny of the National Resource Defense Council. What's the use of national security if we don't have anything to protect? <laughs> yeah, if you have national security, but the entire planet dies, you know, <laughs> that, that's not a good deal. No. <laughs> they, they, they'll try to convince you otherwise. Yeah. Give up your freedom so that you can have be free. Yes. <laughs> Wait a second. That's 1984. No, that's now. Yeah. That's only... That's give only up, yeah, give up your environment so that you can be secure. Yeah. It's only 24 years late, you know. <laughs> if I don't have oxygen, I cannot be free. Okay, so... <laughs> Sorry, I distracted you. <laughs> oh, yes, that's okay. I found that place again, though. The, uh, the agreement maintains the Navy's ability to test and train while shielding whales and other vulnerable species from harmful underwater noise. Like, it's hard for us as humans to imagine the equivalent, but imagine if, like, you know, you're just walking along, you know, uh, going to the store or whatever, going to work, and you just hear this this huge air horn, like if someone took an air horn and put it right next to your head, and, like, you, it's so loud that you cover your ears and you can't move. They actually use something like that for crowd control. Yeah, they do. They're starting to use that for crowd control. Yeah. So and it's, it's like, kind of subsonic, but it's still very, very annoying. Yeah. So it's like they're unintentionally doing this to the whales. So it's, it's good to see that they're taking action on this. So uh, there's actually litigation over the Navy's use of mid-frequency sonar is pending at the Supreme Court. Greens say mid-frequency sonar is at fault for the Monday stranding and death of a whale on the Hawaiian uh, island of Molokai. But a U.S. Pacific Fleet spokesperson objects that, quote, it's premature, speculative, and irresponsible to link naval actions to the stranding. Straight to the source, Los Angeles Times, Environmental News Service, and Associated Press. I like how the more you deny something, the more it's supposed to not, you know, it's like, oh, that, you know, that can't be true. Yeah. And that makes it so you can avoid the issue for a while, huh? Yeah. Okay. They've been doing that with the uh, the dead zone in the uh, Gulf of Mexico and other places. Well, we deny it, deny it, but it just keeps getting bigger, that it gets harder to deny. Yep. <laughs> the story of us, oh, I mean, the story of U.S. <laughs> U.S. economy shifting to gasp efficiency. When it comes to urging environmental mindness, high oil prices have proven much more persuasive than green groups ever did. The U.S. economy built on cheap, plentiful energy, well, we do subsidize it to more than 50%, the government does, but because they think we need cheap, plentiful energy for our economy to work, anyway, our U.S. economy is now shifting into a new mode. Americans are driving less, riding transport, transit more, ditching SUVs, and moving back into city centers. We're seeking energy efficiency in our appliances and our heating and cooling and lighting. Solar energy is having its day in the sun. Companies are rethinking their global supply chains. And consumers, too, are seeing the benefits of staying close to home. Quote, the environmentalists have always asked you to eat locally, says economist Michael Kane. But now the businessmen all agree. 
The adjustment carries growing shrinking pains, layoffs, high food prices, and overwhelmed infrastructure, to name just a few. But many economists suspect that the era of cheap fuel has officially come to an end, and it remains to be seen whether the U.S. economy can run as well or better on efficiency as it did. Straight to the source, the Wall Street Journal. I was actually reading a report about how people are asking at the farmer's market not whether things are organic anymore, but where it came from. Like, uh-huh. you know, where is your farm at? That's what they're asking the farmers. Uh-huh. And so I've always been of the mind, buy local before organic. Yeah. Ideally, you know, you get local organic. But, you know, so I'd, I guess... You know, find out where your food is raised, but also find out how it's raised. Don't, don't do one over the other. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, look, at, look into both. Look into all aspects of the food. Yeah. Because, like, right. as you may realize, you know, that, that fuel that's put into the vehicle in order to transport the food long distances, it, it's, it's not organic. They don't pour, like, you know, like some, uh, some milk in there or some, <laughs> like, you know, canola or... That'd be nice they, if they had a load of corn and they could just take the cobs and shove it in the gas tank like they <laughs> yeah. did in that car from Back to the Future. Yeah. Just like... You know. Mr. Fusion. <laughs> but the, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is even if it's organic, they still have to pick it prematurely and carry it long distances yeah. to get to you. It, so. de- it decreases the amount of petrochemicals you're using, but you're still using some to actually fuel the vehicles. Right, so... So if we can reduce as much as possible, you know, sometimes organic, sometimes local, sometimes both. Now, if you missed this whole show, which, you know, we didn't say anything really important, but if you missed this whole show, Tree Song's doing a really good job of putting it on our archive. Yes. Our website is yourcommunityspirit.org, dot org. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you would like to listen to the show again, in case you missed any tidbit, I don't know why you would listen to us again. Uh, but in case you missed something like, oh, when was that film at the IMC? Yeah. Oh, it was at 7 p.m. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I listen. No, I actually don't listen to myself. But uh-huh. I probably should get on there and listen so I can say, or you're really annoying. <laughs> Have a good week. And remember, go visit your friends because they might be dead. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a cheery thought. Visit their mother still alive. I'll see you guys later.